Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I could not be more thrilled to welcome Dr. Tom Allen, Executive Medical Director of Behavioral Health at Blue Shield of Illinois and Chief Psychiatrist for the Blue Cross Shield of Illinois plan to talk about how Medicaid managed care organizations are paving the way for behavioral health here in Illinois. Dr. Allen, welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And I'm so excited to dive into today's conversation because as listeners already know, we're focusing on behavioral health for the third quarter of the year. It is one of our healthcare quality pillars, and it's something we at IMHIP talk about all of the time. Um, it's such a significant factor um, within the Medicaid program, and then of course, it has such a direct impact on people's physical health as well. Um, and who better to talk about all of this and with you, Chief Psychiatrist for the Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicaid Plan of Illinois, Dr. Allen, can you just start by level setting and giving us an overview of the approach of Blue Cross Blue Shield and when it comes to behavioral health and, and resources for members? Because you guys do so very much. Oh, thank you, Samantha. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you, you're highlighting this topic on this podcast. It's such an important area to talk about. As, as you know, and, and many of us know, that um, approximately about one in five adults nationwide has a mental illness, um, and about one in 10 adults uh, lives with a substance use disorder. So it's, it's definitely a common, um, the prevalence is pretty widespread. But what's interesting and sad in a lot of ways is that approximately 60%, so two-thirds of people with either condition, um, don't receive the care that they need. Um, so it's it's definitely a, a concern. Um, and then we ask ourselves, you know, why is this the case? What can we do about it? Um, and, you know, just thinking about some of the causes, um, you know, definitely screening and assessment. So when people present often to the emergency room or they go to their primary care, um, people are not always screened appropriately for these conditions and then they don't they're not identified. Um, but also, you know, on an internal level, a lot of people struggle with internalized stigma. Like, you know, they, they may have internalized a lot of the negative stereotype, stereotypes that we, we hear about and see in society about people with mental illness, and they don't want to be, they don't want to have it. And so they don't want to get treatment for it. Um, so that definitely gets in the way. And then also, you know, a lot of us, even if we are struggling with it and can admit it, we don't know where to go for care. We don't know what type of care to get. Um, and also there's a, a challenge with availability of providers, especially if you're in rural areas or underserved areas. So there are a lot of challenges um, for people with behavioral health conditions. And then just, you know, you would ask kind of, you know, what we're doing at Blue Cross. Um, our, our Medicaid plan, by the way, is called the Blue Cross Community Health Plan. Um, and we have, um, we have a pretty robust care coordination team in behavioral health. So um, for those of you who don't know about care coordination, it's, it's a service that, that helps people get the care they need. So 
within behavioral health, it's master's level clinicians, um, you know, social workers, uh, therapists, et cetera, who, um, who reach out to members. You know, it's a member-centric approach, um, meeting where they are, finding out what's important to them, developing rapport, and also, um, you know, trying to assess any of the barriers that we talked about. You know, do they have problems with transportation? Do they have problems finding providers? Are they struggling with motivation? Are they struggling with, with insight? And, and trying to give the education, you know, trying to do motivational interviewing, uh, providing them with resources, connecting them to providers. So it's a very, you know, a, a high-touch sort of approach to people with behavioral health conditions. Um, we also have uh, recovery support assistants, um, and these are people who have lived experience with either substance use disorders or mental health disorders who can coach and mentor uh, members uh, who are struggling in their recovery. Um, we have on-site what are called facility liaisons, so people who physically are at hospitals or during the pandemic, it's been more virtual, but you know they, they work um, on-site at hospitals to help with transitions of care, so to help people when they step down from the inpatient getting them appointments, making sure they have their medications. Um, and then a really unique program, which just started, um, we partnered with a provider on the south side of Chicago that um, reaches out to some of our more difficult to reach members or difficult to engage members and connects them with, with treatment. So it's a, an extra layer of, of engagement uh, on top of our care coordination program. Um, so in, in a lot of different areas, we're, we're actively reaching out to members. We're trying to understand what they're, what they're going through, um, trying to problem solve with them and reduce any barriers that might um, get in the way of them getting the care they need. I just love that, Dr. Allen. And I want to underscore that so much because I think it goes so against the common misunderstanding of what health plans, especially Medicaid health plans, are trying to do, especially for our members with mental illness or behavioral health care needs. We want to bring those members into care. We want to get them the services that they need. Uh, you guys have, you know, you just outlined so many programs that you have to support members and to get them the care they need, bring them into care if they are um, not currently in care. I just think that really goes against the misconception around what Medicaid health plans do and what they want. And at the end of the day, I think why the plans, you know, want to bring these folks into care, not only is it the right thing to do, um, which I know is very high on the list of why you guys do it. But another reason, of course, is somebody cannot manage their physical health if they've not already managed their mental health or substance use disorder. And so it really is sort of that hierarchy of needs, that comprehensive care that is needed. Um, and of course, Medicaid's the largest payer in Illinois for behavioral health care needs. Exactly, Sam. I'm glad you outlined that. Definitely, you know, not attending to our mental health conditions really worsens our physical health conditions. And you know, not attending to our physical health conditions really worsens our mental health conditions. So it, it definitely uh, um, is a synergistic effect for sure. At the core of all of that is your health, right? Like your mental health or your physical health 
it is, you know, you are one person and you have sort of that comprehensive health as well. And, you know, we, we try to sort of segment it all when we talk about it, but it is to your point, it's so interlinked and, and, you know, what I suspect, and I would love for you to sort of dive into this a little bit is, you know, in your unique role, you see a lot of challenges and, and have been able to also achieve a lot of accomplishments when it comes to effectively, you know, approaching and responding to the behavioral health crisis that we all find ourselves in um, as a society. And I know, you know, as a, globally, we're still working through this. So there are so many challenges. So I'm sure I would like if you could outline some of that for us. But I also know you you and your team have been able to accomplish quite a bit too. And I always like to have like a helpful, hopeful note in that conversation. You want to dive into to what you guys have been doing over at Blue Cross? Definitely, yes. Um, so with regard to the challenges around the pandemic, um, you know, we've all, as you know, have experienced some sort of trauma uh, related to this. I mean, whether it's the loss of a loved one or, you know, just, I mean, the upending of our lives, whether it's employment or housing or, or whatever, it's, it's, it's affected all of us. And, um, and na- national rates of depression and anxiety have, have quadrupled uh, over the past few years. So you mentioned this as a behavioral health crisis. That's, that's true. Also rates of suicidal ideation, substance use, and drug overdoses have also increased. So it's, it's definitely, um, a problem. Um, what what I want to emphasize also is that um, the the pandemic has really highlighted a lot of gaps in care that we've seen as a society. Um, there are significant health disparities uh, among people of uh, racial ethnic minorities, people who live in poverty, uh, people who live in under-resourced areas, and as a result, you know the effects of COVID have been um, a lot more heightened, so more morbidity, more mort- mortality. Um, so I guess, you know, in a way, the the pandemic has been, it's been hard for all of us. It has highlighted opportunities for us to really shine a light on, on these health disparities and really and address and address them. Um, it's also allowed us to think more creatively about how to provide mental health treatment for people who traditionally can't access them. So, you know, things like um, expanding telehealth uh, to people in their homes or their communities, uh, which has been a huge uh, benefit. Uh, we've seen actually uh, rates of telehealth uh, claims just skyrocket over the last few years for behavioral health, for outpatient psychotherapy, outpatient medication management, um, and then traditional, you know, going to see your provider in a brick and mortar establishment has, you know, that's continued, but um, telehealth is definitely taken over in a lot of ways. Um, not taken over, but it's, it's really augmented that. Um, but also things like, you know, digital solutions, you know, we're seeing more apps on our phones or computer-based applications that can help us, you know, screen for mental health conditions or, you know, there's coaching, there's self-management of symptoms, um, and referrals to providers, you know, so we're, we're, enter- we're definitely in a technological age where I think the pandemic has, has allowed us to sort of grab hold of a lot of the technological advances and really use this uh, to the benefit of people who 
who need behavioral health care. Absolutely. And I know, I mean, telehealth has, you know, just skyrocketed across the industry. But I do think, and I, I wonder if you've seen this, that I anticipate that on the behavioral health side, you're just going to see that utilization stay high, even when people in the physical health side might be going back to, um, you know, into the offices, et cetera. Um, and one reason I suspect is it's just more comfortable to have some of those harder conversations in your own space. You don't have the travel, you don't have, you know, like there, it's just easier. Definitely. Yes. I agree with you, Samantha. I mean, a lot of behavioral health treatment, whether it's psychotherapy, you know, it's, it's talking, it's, um, you know, it doesn't have to be in person. Um, uh, you know, medication management is similar. Uh, you know, behavioral health care is not often proce- uh, procedure heavy. So, you know, you can do it over the phone. You can do behavioral health care over the phone. And I, I agree. I think this is, we're seeing uh, people's preference and, and it's likely that this is going to continue into the future as a preferred way of getting behavioral health care. And it allows... Um folks, like you said, in rural communities or underserved communities, increased access. Um, yes. And it just makes it easier. Not only do they have access to more providers, but, you know, around where I live, it might be a 10, 15 minute drive, you know, to, if I were to go see a therapist or, or my doctor in person. But in certain towns in Illinois, I mean, it could be an hour. So then all of a sudden you're looking at three hours out of somebody's day for a therapy session or a telehealth session that is, you know, an hour. Right, right, exactly. And I, if possible, I mean, we, we touched a little bit on, on barriers to care. Um, I want to flesh out a little bit more around, you know, health equity and social determinants of health because those really, as, as you know, um, play a part in, in people accessing care. Um, so when we think of, you know, we, we think of social determinants of health, you know, really anything that could, could get in the way, um, uh, it's, it's conditions where we live and, and work and, and grow and et cetera. Um, you know, it could be a neighborhood, it could be, um, uh, employment status, it could be, um, um, degree of, of, um, you know, uh, challenges around um, access to care, access to providers. Um, and really lately we're seeing more how, you know, historical racism and discrimination uh, affect people's access to care. Um, their lack of trust in the healthcare system is definitely um, something that's come up. Um, certainly lack of linguistically or culturally competent providers. And then, you know, just issues that we've already talked about, transportation, poverty, food insecurity. So, I mean, this really underscores that, that healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all approach to, to patient care. It's not sort of this medical model where you, you see somebody, you diagnose it, you treat it. I mean, that certainly happens, but you, you see somebody and then you want to understand, all right, what, what, is their, what is their background? What's their race and ethnicity? Where do they live? You know, what... Um, what are what are their day-to-day challenges? What's important to them? You know, um, what do they want in terms of provider preference? Um, what language do they speak? Um, you know, do they 
do they struggle with um, issues of discrimination, bias? So there are so many factors that that are so important, and it makes the doctor-patient relationship or provider-patient relationship a lot richer in a lot of ways. Um, and it's just so important to be able to flesh that out. And, and to that end, you know, Blue Cross, we're doing a lot to to get that data initially, you know, race, ethnicity, language, um, trying to assess for social determinants of health factors, um, working with vendors to find resources. Um, and we've even, in the behavioral health side, come up with a, like a fund that we can use, which is really kind of cool in a lot of ways to um, pay for things like clothing if somebody needs clothing to get to an, you know, to get to an appointment or go to a job interview or you know an ID to get housing, um, gift cards as incentives for making it to their appointment or helping to reimburse for transportation, anything. Just thinking creatively on a practical level, what can we do? as a health plan to really, you know, uh, address some of these gaps and these barriers. So it's, it's, it's really a, it's an, an time for all of us to, to think about this stuff. Um, I think it's a great conversation. Absolutely. And I love, you know, in the conversation of mental health and behavioral health care, the idea that some of those just simple needs are such a critical component in addressing social determinants of health and that Blue Cross, you know, this, you know, everybody I think thinks of this big insurance company, um, but you guys finding ways and finding programs so you can get a member closed for an interview, you know, or um, an ID, like you said, uh, to, in, or, you know, for housing. That's just another example of you guys really serving the person. And, and treating them in a holistic manner and recognizing the need of that uh, that they have as a human being. And I think that's just absolutely amazing. And, and you talked about a lot of resources. Um, can you let our listeners know where to get more information on these great resources? Yeah, thanks, Samantha. Um, so we have uh, the Blue Cross Blue Shield website, uh, which is bcbsil.com. Uh, is a great resource. If you go to the Medicaid section, you can find out about it there. Um, certainly, if you're already a Blue Cross member, you can call it back your card to find out more. Um, one thing before we go, I want to tell you quickly about our Blue Door Neighborhood Centers. These are um, actual brick-and-mortar locations that we've established in, in areas of Chicago, Pullman, Morgan Park, South Lawndale, and we have a lot of activities there, a lot of educational events. Um, you know, exercise classes, et cetera, community resources. Um, and it's available to both Blue Cross members and non-Blue Cross members, both in person and virtually. So we do have these neighborhood centers around Chicago. Um, the website for that is bluedoorcenteril.com. So that's another resource to find out more about, more about that. That is so great. Thank you so much. And I've been to the Blue Door Centers and they are gorgeous. The classes are amazing. Um, absolutely just great work that the Blue Cross team and especially you, Dr. Allen, are doing. Um, you know, this has really been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me on. It's been really good talking to you. Yes, thank you so much. And for our listeners to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. 
I'm Samantha Olds-Fry, the Salem and Sam Says. As always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.